Greetings to those who watch below. It's Friday, which means it's time for another stop on our paranormal road trip of the US, and to celebrate the legacy of America's last vampire, Mercy Brown, we're going to be heading to Rhode Island. But before we start, I'd like to say thank you to Steffi Ray, Wicked Witch, Lisa Watts, Lefty Kim, M.A. Wade, Julie B., Jess Black Curtain, Christina Groves, LT Punisher 666, and Chris BLK Chris for being those who dwell below, an exclusive channel membership that gets you shoutouts at the start of every video. Also, if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to both this channel and creepypasta.com's official YouTube channels, making sure you hit that notification bell as well so that you never miss a single video. Also, you can find me on Instagram at brimstone underscore below and on Facebook at brimstone below horror channel. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Naval Hospital, Newport, Rhode Island by Rook D.Y. Jin This story was told to me by my senior chief while I was stationed at the Naval War College, Newport, Rhode Island. Some history first. Built in 1909, the Naval Hospital in Newport saw duty for many, many years. In the late 1980s and early 1990s, it was closed, and all of the clinics were moved to the newer, nearby naval clinic. The equipment and office furniture, for the most part, was left in the building. This included brand new operating room equipment. This is the time frame the senior chief was stationed at the Naval War College as a first-class petty officer, and served as a member of the Auxiliary Security Patrol. During the ASF patrols, one of the buildings they had to do a walkthrough was the old hospital building. The senior chief had heard all the ghost stories about the various spirits that walked the halls of the hospital, sailors and soldiers from various wars or conflicts, as well as dependent family members that had passed on within its walls. The senior chief was not one to believe such stories. He figured they were told to scare the guys while they were on a very routine and sometimes boring patrol. Trust me on this, I've stood that watch. It was about 2.30 in the morning when he arrived at the hospital's front desk. He met with the building watch and proceeded to check the floors one by one. All was quiet until he reached the top floor. Here he felt like he was being watched, though everything seemed normal and quiet. The hallway was lit from outside by the streetlights, so it wasn't completely dark. As the senior chief rounded a corner and headed toward the back of the floor, he saw what appeared to be a red ball bouncing up and down in the centre of the hallway. He stopped and watched for a moment. Then he checked the windows nearby, thinking it was a reflection from the signal light that was at the intersection on the street that ran just off the base. What he saw made his blood run cold. The light was flashing, but it was flashing yellow both directions. He looked back down the hallway and the red ball was still bouncing, but as he watched, it stopped, resting on the ground as it did so. Then it was pushed towards him, rolling forward as if someone or something wanted him to play. The senior chief didn't wait around for the ball to reach him. He raced down to the building watch, who cracked the joke, you look like you've seen a ghost. Senior chief made this guy finish the tour of the building with him, and requested to be put on a different route his next duty day. 
As he talked about his experience, he discovered he was not alone. Others had seen the ball, or a little blonde girl, in an old-fashioned blue dress, up on that top floor. Another ASF member told him of the soldiers and sailors' faces he would see looking out of the windows. It helped the senior chief to know he was not alone, but he still refused to go back into the hospital alone while on patrol. The Portsmouth Sea Monster In 2007, in Portsmouth, Rhode Island, a fun-filled day of swimming and fishing for one local group of friends and family turned into a nightmare that most only witness in the movies. Fall River residents Dennis Vasconcellos, Rachel Carney, Joey Maliu, Tracy Roberts, a young child and another woman, were at Teddy's Beach in the Island Park section of Portsmouth when things got a little scary. Half the group was fishing, while the other half were either swimming or playing in the sand. But what seemed to be a perfect summer afternoon got turned upside down, the moment Dennis heard his fiancée Carney scream. Rachel was screaming for help, yelling that something was after her. An unknown, ominous sea creature seemed to be toying with Carney, who was swimming beyond the danger sign posted at the quiet beach. The sea creature, described as being about 15 feet long, with 4-inch teeth, greenish-black skin, and a white belly, was swimming around Carney and popping its head out of the water to expose its teeth and hiss in a manner that could not soon be forgotten. Carney said, I was deep out in the water and kept hearing this hissing sound. Then I saw its head come up showing me its big teeth. It kept rolling while it was swimming and knocking into my feet. I just froze. In the meantime, Dennis said he swam out to her aid and just grabbed her from behind and told her, Don't look back. This thing was huge. I mean, its head was almost the size of a baseball, Dennis said. I just kept backing into the shore, but it was looking at me and hissing. The other people around there were pulling their kids out of the water. Within minutes, the pair was back near the beach and safe again. The University of Massachusetts Dartmouth Center for Marine Science and Technology in New Bedford, one of the leading marine science research centers in the region, had its lead aquaculturist baffled by the description of the serpent-like creature. Ed Baker said that the description given is unlike any animal he knows. He said it is conceivable that a tropical animal was swept northward through a strong and warm gulf current. He said a piranha was recently found in Coventry and an alligator is on the run in Lincoln, Rhode Island. Therefore, the mystery animal may have been placed in the water by a local resident, or it may have been carried into Rhode Island's waters from the south. While the whole drama was playing out, Melu, who was nursing a badly wounded leg in the brackish water, said he witnessed the whole thing. I just saw Rachel swimming as fast as I've ever seen anyone go, he said. Then I saw this big, big thing spinning around the two of them. It looked like a giant eel to me, but I'm sure it wasn't, because it was so big and had that white belly. Melu and the others said it was difficult to get to sleep that night. He said he felt partly responsible because the sea creature may have been attracted to the blood pouring from his leg into the water. He, just minutes before, had caught a fish and slipped on the rocks near the beach, cutting his leg. I don't know if it was a shark or what. All I know 
is that they were both hysterical when they got out of the water. I've lived near water for years and have never seen an animal like that, ever. Dennis is also a somewhat experienced fisherman and stated that he has no idea what the creature was. My heart is still pounding and I don't want to seem scared, but people should know to keep their kids close because that thing was definitely big enough to kill us. I thought I was dead. Melu thinks that the animal is nesting under the unusually warm waters of the protective cove. He said he saw the animal disappear near one of the six broken down piers in the area, which could be used as a nesting area. Newport Naval Base, Coasters Harbour Island by C. Brown, 1919 From 1980 to 1984, my father was stationed in Newport, Rhode Island, and we lived in officers' quarters on Coasters Harbour Island. There were only a few houses on this small island, which also included the War College, officers' barracks, gym, marina, library, and officers' club. I was 10 to 14 at the time, and was the only child at home, as my two older siblings were away at college. I don't know any history of the house we lived in. It was Quarters H on Bainbridge Road, a duplex at the end of the row of houses. It was a two-storey home, also with a basement, had steam heat, and appeared fairly old. I had several unexplained sightings at that house, all in my bedroom and all at night. The first sighting I had was about a year into our stay. I woke during the night and kneeling at the foot of my bed was an old lady that was resting her head on her arms on my bed. She looked to be over 80 years old, white hair pulled into a bun and wearing a long white dress. When I woke and sat up in my bed, I remember being so scared but not able to say anything and as I sat up, she stayed kneeling, but lifted her head to look at me. I moved my legs away from her and screamed, which caused her to stand, turn away from me, and move away from the bed towards my closet. My scream caused my mother to come into my room, and upon her entrance, the lady was gone. I explained what had happened to my mother, who suggested that I was dreaming. Later, I woke again in the night, to find the same lady standing in my room. She was positioned on the far side of the room, again near my closet, but looking over at me as I laid in bed. I sat up in bed and looked at her, trying to figure out if I was dreaming or not. She looked exactly the same, old, white hair pulled back and wearing a flowing white dress, something from the 1800s. She didn't move or sway, but stood there looking at me, one thing that has struck me all these years was that one of her hands was holding a white cloth. I didn't see it in the previous encounter, but this time it was very noticeable. As before, I screamed, and again my mother came into my room to comfort me. I don't recall what happened to the lady after I screamed, I just know that she was gone when my mother entered. The next morning, my mother asked me to explain what I had seen. I think she asked what I had dreamed about, and I shared my experiences. I also connected the lady to the first encounter. My mum did not react either way, but stood her ground that I was dreaming. The strangest situation happened one night in 1982. It was a school night, and my parents had put me to bed, I assume around 8.30pm. 
I was a huge LA Lakers fan, and they were playing the Philadelphia 76ers in the NBA Championship. I presumed the game was in LA, and therefore I was missing it by going to bed at that time. I had a radio in my room, so after my parents left the room, I would turn it on very low and listen to the game. That night, my father caught me listening to the game and directed me to turn it off and go to sleep. The second time, my mother came in the room and threatened me with restriction if I didn't turn it off and go to bed. Being a 12-year-old and a significant fan of the Lakers, I took the risk and again turned it on. This time, for whatever reason, the station was all static. I hadn't had that problem all night and don't recall ever not being able to tune into the channel. But regardless what I did with the antenna or tuning the dial, I couldn't get a signal to listen to the game. I recall having a restless night of sleep, waiting to find out the next morning who had won the game. I had several more encounters after these, all in my room and all at night. In these, the lady was always kneeling at the foot of my bed. I never saw her rise or move again. She just seemed to be overlooking me, as if I was ill or injured. I mentioned this to my parents recently, and my mother does recall these incidents, but nothing of detail. She mentioned as well, hearing noises from time to time when she was home alone. She thought that someone was walking around upstairs, but wrote it off to the sounds of the radiators or the creaking of an old house. Red Eye by Specialized 2001 This encounter happened not to me, but to my twin brother during his junior year in college. First, some background on my brother. When we were growing up, he was always the athletic one. Even though we are twins, his personality is quite contrasted to mine. He is nonchalant and does not take things too seriously. He's a natural tough guy and spends a great deal of time at the gym and when he's not at the gym, he is at football practice. Being in college, he was always a partier. However, he almost never drank and was always self-composed. He has never experimented with drugs and always kept himself out of trouble. Like everyone else, he was sceptical about the paranormal and told me I was full of it when I told him of one of my encounters. It was not until he had an experience of his own that he began to believe. Unfortunately, his experience was not pleasant. Not at all. My brother went to college in Rhode Island. He went to a smaller university that resided near a quaint downtown area with older homes and rustic shops. Classic New England. At the time, there were too many students and not enough dorms. While new dorms were being constructed, some students at the university dormed at a nearby high-rise, which was just across a bridge stretching over the Providence River. The structure was once a hotel, which for some reason went under, at which point the university converted the hotel rooms into dorms. Each cookie-cutter room was the same as the others. They were L-shaped, with a bathroom and a main living space. My brother lived there for about seven months with his roommate Kyle, who he conveniently went to high school with. One night in autumn, my brother and Kyle were watching TV late at night. They stayed up until about midnight, until they both went to bed. My brother is a light sleeper, and frequently wakes up throughout the night. 
My brother woke up around 3 to 4ish in the morning. It was dark, but there was light coming in through the window from a bright full moon. He rolled over in bed and was facing the doorway to his dorm room. It was then when he saw Kyle crouched down on the floor in the middle of the room. My brother watched him for a second. It was as if he was looking for something. My brother then said, Kyle, what are you doing? Kyle then stood up, paused and walked over to a mirror on the wall. My brother sat up in bed. Even though he saw him move across the room, Kyle didn't make any noise at all. My brother then repeated himself, Kyle, what are you doing? Kyle stared at himself in the mirror. My brother saw him push back his hair, as if he was fixing his appearance. It was then when my brother gave up and rolled back over to face Kyle's bed. My brother panicked. There, in Kyle's bed, was Kyle, sound asleep. My brother shot back out of bed to see the dark figure staring at him. He froze. After a few seconds, the figure turned around and walked away, rounding the corner into the bathroom. Minutes passed until he finally got up and turned the lights on. He peered around the corner to see an empty bathroom. No one was there. From that night on, my brother could not sleep. He tried sleeping with the lights on until Kyle, who didn't believe him, told him to turn them off as it was affecting his sleep. About a month passed and my brother was starting to forget about the strange figure until he woke again around the same time one night. My brother looked over toward the corner of the bathroom when he saw the figure again watching him from behind the wall. He could only see half of the figure as he was concealed by the corner, but what my brother did see was one red eye that blinked on the figure's face like a human eye should. The dark figure then slowly withdrew behind the corner and my brother never saw it again. He moved out a few days later. After a few months, my brother and Kyle went home for the summer. Upon catching up, Kyle then told my brother that he had seen a man in his bathroom mirror in his house, but he couldn't tell if it was real. The Palatine Light is a legendary ghost ship that is said to appear off of Block Island. When witnessed, the ship is seen to burst into flames and sink into the ocean, and is the harbinger of bad weather. There are many different stories to account for the legend of the Palatine Light, and these have been embellished and changed over the years. However, there is evidence that strange lights have been witnessed in the area, and the legend has been used as an explanation for these sightings that have carried on for centuries. In one version of the legend, a Dutch ship carrying immigrants to Philadelphia encountered bad weather and the ship's crew mutinied, robbing the passengers and leaving the ship to run aground off Block Island, where it was plundered by wreckers. They set the ship on fire and the tide carried the ship back out to sea. However, one of the passengers remained on board and her screams could be heard as the flaming ship sank beneath the waves. In another version of the story, popularised in a poem by John Greenleaf Whittier in 1867, the ship was lured to Block Island by wreckers, who plundered the ship and then set it alight. The year afterwards, the ship appeared in a storm, returning to haunt the islanders for their part in the ship's destruction. 
This account caused some controversy at the time, and in a book about the history of the island in 1887, there was a new account of how the islanders helped passengers off a ship that had run aground. Many were sick and died, and one woman refused to leave the ship. This may account for part of the folklore describing a woman screaming as the ship sinks. There is historical evidence that a British ship, the Princess Augusta, ran aground in December 27, 1738. The ship was carrying passengers from the Palatine region of Germany, which would account for the story of the foreign passengers and that the ship was said to appear between Christmas and New Year. So, if you're ever on Block Island around the holiday period, make sure on the Saturday you're there to keep an eye into the bay, as you may too see the mysterious Palatine Light. Hi there guys, thank you so much for listening to today's video, I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to leave a like and also subscribe to the channel, making sure that you hit that notification bell so that you never miss a video. Also, please let me know what you thought about Vampire Week. If it went well, I'm thinking of doing more themed weeks in the future. So, until next time, sleep tight.